section um, up to the end of chapter 3. We have seen uh, those who recognize Jesus, those who don't, what caused some of that blindness on some of the part. Now we are, we want to see the nature of Jesus' kingdom in chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. Um, so, someone want to read that text? So we're on chapter one or chapter four, verse one through verse thirty-four. All right, Ricky, go for it. Mark four one through thirty-four. Yep. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell in a good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. 
He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. All right. Thank you, Ricky. Okay. All right. We want to see the nature of Jesus' kingdom now. Um, and the first thing he does is tells us of the nature of the kingdom in parables for the purpose of judgment. Okay, he speaks in parables for the purpose of judgment. So he's inaugurated this marvelous kingdom, but people persistently misunderstand the nature of the kingdom. They persistently misunderstand, so he begins to teach in parables. And in this way, he fulfills what he quotes here, Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, about bringing uh, judgment on some through his teaching. By the way... Um, this from Isaiah 6. Of course, that's the chapter where, G, where God reveals his holiness, right? Do you ever notice the call there? I, I think sometimes um, the call to ministry there is really something. I don't know if you've noticed it. This is part of that call. So you remember God revealed himself as holy, and, and Isaiah responds with, I'm a man of unclean lips, living with the people of unclean lips. And the Lord purges him. And then the, go, the call goes out. Well, who will go for us? And what does Isaiah say? I'll do it. Right? I'll do it. And then what does God tell him? You know what he tells him? He says, okay, you're going to go preach until all the cities are destroyed. And everything just, no one will listen to you. I'm thinking, man, that would be a hard call to ministry. <laughs> but that's what he's saying. He's saying he went and preached judgment. And this is fulfilling that because the parables by hiding the word or hiding the meaning of Christ's kingdom is going to work judgment. Uh, but he also says they're going to be explained to those in the kingdom so that they understand. Now this is a glory of Christ that's hard to grasp. Okay? It's not, and it's not as if Jesus goes around shutting people out of the kingdom. That's not what he's doing. Rather, he comes displaying both power and mercy. Right? We've seen so far the things he's done, the marvelous things he's done. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's doing marvelous things of grace to all these people and showing his power. And what do they do? They bust his chops for breaking the Sabbath, right? They just give him grief. Instead of seeing all these marvelous things and what Jesus is doing, they give him grief. And they say, you're working by the power of Satan. So it's not like he's shutting them out. It's the fact that, that um, he increases their judgment now by speaking in parables. They're not getting it. It's, I mean, it's hitting them in the face, right? And they still, they still choose to attribute all these things to Jesus because of their traditions, because of all kinds of different things. We looked at that last, last week. So 
Jesus is going to show his glory not just in uh, mercy and love and might, but also in judgment, okay? Now, we also love him because to those that submit to him, he explains the nature of his kingdom. And so comes these, these explanations or these parables that explain the nature of his kingdom. So the first thing he says is his rule. Remember, we talk about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the rule of God. We're talking here about, you remember a number of weeks ago, the saving rule of God. What is that like? What is the saving rule of God like? He says it's like a farmer spreading seed. The seed is the word of his rule, and it goes out summoning people to believe and has varying success, right? The first one, stony soil, it's where Satan just snatches the seed right away. It just lays on the, on the hard ground, and the birds pluck it up. So that's like Satan taking it away. And then next is, um, what's the next one? It's the uh, rocky ground, rocky ground, where... Um, it sprouts up, um, boy, you know, I just was looking at it as Ricky was reading. They have no root in themselves. No, no. Yeah. They receive it immediately with joy. But, but uh, since there's no roots, when tribulation or persecution comes, um, they immediately fall away. So they're joyful, they're all about it, but then when they have to pay, when something comes that's hard, they're gone. The next one is the thorny ground, where it springs up, but the cares of the world and all those sorts of things choke it out. And then there's the good seed, and it has varying degrees of success, which I love that part of the parable because it says, it's not like God's going to give you a hundredfold increase every time. It's going to be different, right? Now, you know, after being in ministry for 38 years, this is what fascinates me. I can put names to every single one of those soils. I can put names to people where I've seen, we've had people in our church I, um, that were just, wow, we're really enthused, we love this, we want to be a part of this, we, you know, and they give a profession of Jesus, but as soon as something tough came along, they're gone. They're gone. You try to recover them, you try to go after them, and they're done. Um, or the cares of this world, right? Uh, as soon as uh, difficulties come, uh, again, uh, they're worried about how they're going to make it, and they're gone. So, um, so the, the kingdom is like a farmer who's, who spreads his seed. Now, I think the glory of Jesus is seen here because his rule conquers our hearts. No one is an unwilling subject in this kingdom, right? It goes out with the message. People are gathered in. Some are unfruitful, and they're gone, but there are others, and, and that word has various degrees of success, okay? By the way, I think it's important. I think it's not unimportant that Jesus says it has varying degrees of success because too often we have this view of success that isn't what the Bible calls success. Sometimes there's going to be this incredibly abundance of harvest, and sometimes it's not going to be that way. It's going to be successful, but not oftentimes in the way uh, that we would um, define success. Then he talks about the lamp under a basket. And this is kind of a difficult one, so I'm going to give you my best shot at it. All right? 
Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who is not, even what he has will be taken away. What is he talking about here? Okay. Uh, the lamp under the... Um, uh, the lamp that's hidden here, I think it speaks of Jesus and the hiddenness of his rule in the world. But it will be revealed at his coming. You know, when you look at the rule of Jesus all across the world, it's not anything that just, it's not like the Roman Empire was. It's not like the United States and all its power is. It's not like, um, it's, it's just, what, people worshiping Jesus, right? Uh, it's not a, it's not all whistles and fireworks. It's hidden. Uh, but it's going to be revealed in the coming of Jesus, right? It's going to be revealed in all its glory when he comes. And then we're exhorted to perception, spiritual perception. The more we listen to Jesus, the more we're intent on listening to Jesus, the more truth about Jesus will be revealed. In other words, you really give yourself to knowing about Jesus, and he'll give you more. Right? He promises that. Now, you've probably experienced this in your life, right? The more you're intent on pursuing Jesus and the more you do it, the more you learn about him. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. And now there's just more and more. And then finally, in verse 25, the more one appropriates the truth of Jesus, now the more he'll receive in the future. And whoever chooses not to listen, the little he has will be taken from him. And so you want to choose to listen. You want to go after it with your heart. Pay attention to the words of Jesus. Um, although his full glory is not yet revealed, the more I listen to him, the more I understand and love him. And the reward for pursuing Christ is more of Christ. Okay? The reward for pursuing Jesus is more of Jesus and greater love for him. That's the reward that you're going to receive. Um, and so, again, we have to say, is this going to make any difference? To us, right? Um, I never like to read the scripture without thinking, okay, what, is, what has to change here? What, I, what do I have to change in my thinking? What do I have to change in my understanding? What do I have to change in what I'm doing? What do I have to change in what I believe? Okay? Always ask yourself those questions. What difference does it make? Or my, my big interpretive question and application question is simple. It's so what? So what? This was written, Okay? This book was written for Christians so that we understand Jesus and we change in our beliefs and our behavior, okay? So you're always asking that question, so what, right? So what difference does this make for me? Well, for me, it's going to say, you know, i got to be more intent on pursuing Jesus more than I am now, right? I've got to be more intent on that. All right, now the next one tells us that, that the rule of Jesus is like a growing seed. Okay, now, he, he has a picture. You go out, right? You spread the seed. You go in the house. You eat your dinner. You go to bed. You get up the next morning, and you got a little sprout there, right? You got this little sprout. What in the world did you do to make that happen? Right? Not, we're not talking about fertilizing or cultivating here. The question is, 
What do you do to make that little bit pop out of the ground? And the answer is absolutely nothing. You don't do anything. You don't do anything to make that. Now, I'm not making a case here you don't do anything for the kingdom of Jesus. That's not what this parable is about. This parable is about the fact that the power for the kingdom's growth is within the kingdom itself. It doesn't need our help. The power is resident within the message to grow the kingdom. Um, Okay? Uh, It's interesting. His rule does not advance by clash of arms or diplomatic cleverness. It does... It it, it does not go out and conquer in visible and dramatic ways. But instead, it slowly, steadily, consistently grows. Okay, so um, look at any other kingdom or any other nation. Why are they powerful? Because of their military, because of their diplomatic um, prowess, their foreign policy, their strategic thinking. They do things, uh, right? And so... And so it grows. But the kingdom of Christ is not like that. It just doesn't need any of that. It spreads and it grows and it's consistent without any of the normal human means by which kingdoms grow. Now, so here's the question. So what? You tell me. So what? What difference is that going to make for you? You know, I've noted that I have not allowed you to talk very much. So I'm going to give you a chance. So what? So what? The kingdom has that ability. What difference is that going to make? Well, how? What's that going to change your thinking or behavior or what? What? What's going on? Okay. Okay. No room for ego, right? No room for ego. You know, and boy, I could really run with that one. And um, yeah, no room for ego. Hey, it's not because I'm that good at communicating. It's not any of that. It's because that kingdom grows. All right, what else? Yeah, Ryan. There you go. Yeah. Good. Good. Some more. One more. Give me one more. Yeah, Ricky. Freedom, keep going. All right, Caleb. Okay, so, you know, we ought to be encouraged by this. It's not ultimately dependent on us, and we often act that way. 
you know, we know better than to think that way, but our functional theology makes us think that way, right? Theologically, we know that's not true, but functionally, we act as if it all depends on us, which doesn't mean, in other words, it doesn't, it doesn't um, quash endeavor, but it gives hope in the endeavor. That no matter what I do, it's the kingdom that has the power, not me. I just have to, like the sower, I have to sow the seed. Okay? Now the next thing he talks about is that this rule, this kingdom, is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed, but it grows into the largest plant. So large that um, birds... Oh, wait a minute. Did he say that in this? I'm thinking of Matthew here. Yeah. Birds still... still um, Birds of the air can make, come and make nests in its shade, all right? Um, it's the smallest, but grows into a huge plant. Now, look, here's where you have to see something. In the eyes of the world, what we offer is insignificant and weak, and yet it spreads until it has a universal reach. Um, no other kingdom can make that kind of a claim. Um, think about this. How many disciples were there when Jesus ascended? Or on the day of Pentecost? How many disciples were there? 120. 120 people. Right? Pretty insignificant. I mean, that's even insignificant in a town like Arlington. And yet, from those 120 people, what happened? The world was turned upside down. And it is still being turned upside down. So you think about, I think about, the 120 people um, that were at the beginning of this insignificant 120 people, big deal. And because of those 120 people, guess what? I'm ministering to people in Romania and Albania and Mongolia and all kinds of different places, even in, in a Muslim country like Azerbaijan. Um, and I'm ministering to people in those countries. It all started back then with those, that little group of people. So again, how, so what? what? What does that tell you then? If, it, if insignificant leads to this incredibly big plant, what does that say to you? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Ricky? Yeah. Yeah. And and again, we have to see that we look insignificant. We're insignificant. So were they. Right? I mean, let's face it, and I think I said this last week, if you would put Jesus up against most people's standards of successful ministry, he was a complete failure. A complete and utter failure. After three years of ministry, what happens? And by the way, it's a ministry where he does nothing wrong. His strategy is perfect, right? The messenger is perfect. What does it get him? He gets nailed to a tree and nailed to a cross. 
By most people's standards, that would be a failure. But his work wasn't done, was it? He was raised from the dead. And so that also ought to give us some, some hope, right? Here's the, the founder of our faith who by all standards, um, before the resurrection that is, was a failure. And yet look what he did through that. So, um, you know, we, I really think that we have bought in way too much to, um, I don't know how to put it. Um, you know, we look at, we look at other ministries, we look at other churches, and we think how significant they are and how insignificant we are, and we forget that God does mighty things through insignificant beginnings. Um, never know. Beck? Okay. Good. Yeah, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Um, go ahead, Caleb. Yeah. Okay, it's what you know to be true. It's what you know to be true. Um, so, when you're in the midst of it, Ricky, you said this, when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see. Hard to see. You've got to believe there's something different. You've got to believe that. Um, let me illustrate that. So, we have a gal in our church. She's a mom. She is 32 years old. Um, her first child, Jackson, um, soon after he was born, had tons of strokes, little strokes. And so um, he just, there was just so much wrong with him. And now he's 10. He has a feeding tube. They had to put a tracheotomy in permanently so he can't talk anymore. In fact, he can't make any sounds at all. And so she's been taking care of Jackson for 10 years like this. Um, Then she had uh, Ziva, her little girl. And now she's pregnant again. And she just found out the reason why her mom died when she was four and her uncles have died by the time they're 40s because they have a genetic heart condition 
basically the only cure for that is a heart transplant. And she has it. She's 32. And she says to me, I'm not even going to see the 10th birthday of my new child. I'm going to be dead in a couple of years. Right? And on top of that, the question, do any of my children have the same genetic marker? And so we've been spending some time together. And yesterday, no, day before, day before, she said to me, and she's, I'm telling you guys, talking to Danny is, is the highlight of my week because she has grasped the truth that God's up to something good. After all she's been through, it's unbelievable. And she said to me yesterday, or Friday, um, when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to see. You only see the pain. You only see these things. You only see all of this. And um, you have to believe that God is up to something good because you don't feel like it at that moment. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. And just like you guys are saying, you have to believe that what God is saying here is true because at the moment, it's insignificant. It's not getting anywhere. What, what are we doing? Uh, we're so small. You know what? You got to believe what God says. You have to believe what, what he says. So... Um, that's, that's part of this. Why does Jesus tell these parables? I'll, by the way, here's the reason why. Because in the next section, um, you see the response of other people. What seems unstoppable seems um, like, when, if you read ahead, which would be verse 35 through chapter 6, verse 29, in that section, you see all these different responses. And they don't look like magnificent growth, right? So um, that's what's coming up. So do you believe what he's just told you or do you just um, fixate on what seems not to, it seems not to be true? What are you going to believe, okay? So um, um, so anyway, that's where we're headed next. Um, so I, I hesitate to hand out the notes this week for next week because you might lose them. Not that I don't trust you. I just know every time I hand out notes, it's worse than in school. So here's what you do. Read the next section, which is chapter 4, verse 35, through chapter 6, verse 29. And this section shows the kingdom in its king at work, and the response of others as they see him at work. Okay, this will all be in your notes next week, but read this. 435 to 629, and see how people respond. See all the different responses to Jesus, okay? Um, so, you remember what Jesus just said about his kingdom and rule. Here's the point. It follows right on this. He says his kingdom is going to grow. He says his kingdom is unstoppable. 
He says his kingdom will be universal in scope. All right? And yet, as you see the differing responses to the kingdom, you see that it does grow, but at other times you're, you wonder if it will ever grow. And so you see all these different responses as it goes out in the next section. So read through that with that in mind. What are the responses then? What are the responses to the king and his message? Okay. All right. Well, let's close in prayer. You can rush to where you normally sit. Oh, wait. This is where you normally sit. All right. Let's pray. Thanks, Father, for uh, time in your word. Thank you for the gospels that tell us about Jesus and what he's done and what he's doing. Help us, Lord, to live in faith with these things. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.